was a level headed dancer on the road to alcohol. And I was just a soldier on my way to Montreal. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. Uh, we're going to do a, a recap of the Baylor game. Um, and then uh, in a separate podcast, we are going to uh, preview um, the basketball season. Um, both of them with Brandon Solis and Hunter Davidson. And so I'm not going to waste any more time getting in the way. So let's get started. All right, Hunter, I'm going to ask you first. First half, let's go half by half because I feel like they're pretty different. First half, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind as you watched that <laughs> terrible football game? See, what was I thinking? Um, well, I, mean, I, th- I thought we were – I thought the game was over. I thought we were in big trouble for yeah. obvious reasons. We couldn't you – know, offense has not been playing well. It's really, I think, I was looking at a uh, kind of a graph with the expected points added metric, and, yeah. and it does offense and defense, and it's relative to the average team, Power 5 team, our defense is now better than our offense. And it's just it's probably the first time that's happened in a really yeah. long time. I mean, probably since probably '09. If if would be the last last time that that matched up that way. Now it's yeah, not yeah. a huge difference, and both of them are bad. Like both of right. them are bad relative to the average team. So it's yeah. like whereas oh nine our defense was really good, yeah, and our offense was was good too. So it's kind of like the opposite. But um, that's what I was kind of seeing in the first yeah. half: a really bad offense and a defense that's average or you know competitive. Right. And uh, you know I don't think Baylor. They're not a very good offensive team. They're they're have a pretty good defense, but yeah, um, especially the secondary. We were yeah. playing, you know, playing pretty well defensively and just couldn't move the ball. So that's I was uh, pretty scared in the first half. Yeah, and that what you said kind of reminded me of. I've been thinking the past few games. I I know that statistically our defense is not what you would call good. You know, it's it's average to below average, but I wonder how good this defense would be if you paired it with a good offense, one that didn't put it in bad situations, one that capitalized on turnovers, one that scored points. <laughs> you know, like I, I wonder what this Patterson defense would do with with like 2015 Cliffs offense. Like that's like a nine ten yeah. win team to me. I don't know. What do you What do y'all think? Yeah, I think uh, obviously we've seen improvement from year one to year two on that defense. And, and you're kind of seeing the lack of recruitment from, you know, the Gibbs staff and uh, having to f- fill in with all these transfers who are still trying to get to know each other, like Colin Schooler said. Um, you know, he had a terrific game, but it wasn't his best. And he said they're still kind of trying to figure it out. So, um, but uh, overall, I'm, I was very impressed. And I think they could probably win nine to ten games, like you said. I mean, if they had an offense that uh, that also had that improvement and showed that a uh, year one to year two transition, and um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited about that defense. So I don't know how much hope you have in the offense. On, I mean, you sent out Columbia and Bowman, and Bowman's first pass is intercept pick six. 
you're kind of sitting there you feel really bad for the defense because i mean they held them to field goals in the red zone multiple times yeah and And that's a win-win yeah and then that call and schooler play was just amazing and they they didn't score after that field goal i believe right so yeah um, they didn't score in the fourth yeah so uh impressive defense and zach mcpherson has just been night day i think i mean he had a solid year last year but this year has been terrific so um but i'm really excited to see what they can do just comparing the secondary from the HBU game to where we are now in terms of just big plays allowed, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, other than the Oklahoma game, that's that's something that after HBU I thought was going to be the reason we lost football games, not our offense. But um, I don't I don't know. It's, I don't know if that's just like you said, Schooler mentioned. You know, guys getting to play. Uh, you know, getting to know each other and play with each other better. And then you've got, you know, maybe Coach Jones not really having a true offseason is finally, you know, implementing some of the things that he wanted to implement. I don't know what it is, but it's it's nice to see. I mean, you know, you replace Thomas Leggett, who, you know, he's been much maligned from the Tech fan base in, in coverage, um, but he's played a ton of snaps. And you replace him with a young guy, and I didn't notice – a difference i don't know maybe y'all did no i mean go ahead hunter yeah and i was just gonna say so to me this is just crazy but in the past two weeks two big 12 games opposing quarterbacks are a combined 28 of 49 to so 28 for 49 226 yards zero touchdowns two interceptions that's two games two 226 yards that's and like, Zappy throws for more yards <laughs> against Tech than any quarterback ever, like ever <laughs> that ever did it. Yeah. And in the and yet then you know this happens. Of course, it's you know Brewer and Duggan, and um, I guess the script of the games, the wind Saturday, kind of set up for playing, you know, good defense like from a the secondary or just on paper pass defense. But but also, I mean. I think it's also fair to not get it twisted, but our defense has not played very well. You know, touchdown rate, we are dead last. I'm not, I want to say dead last, even if Kansas is below us. So, you know, (laughs) touchdown rate, dead last. And like by a big margin, 27% is Texas. They've allowed touchdowns on 28% of their big 12 possessions. We've allowed 35%. It's it's very significant. Yeah. Points per drive, dead last. Huge difference between Texas, 2.3. And us, 2.9. Uh, we don't force any turnovers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the one thing, though, we were kind of talking about this earlier in the week, is our f- starting field position. Like, our defense just gets screwed. And, and yes. this relates to – I don't know if it's the off- – I don't think it's – I don't know if it's the offense's fault, special teams, just – Both. Whatever. But, you know, we – 38 – the 38-yard line is where the average Big 12 team has started their drive against us. And – so, like, Kansas State is the 25-yard line. And so, if you uh, think that there's 12 possessions in a game, they're ba- – you know, they're – it's an advantage of almost 200 yards, like 150 yeah. yards a game. before You know, before the first play is called, right. they're, they're starting out with their defenses with, like, almost a 170-yard cushion compared to ours. And so, like, the same exact defenses could face, you know, possessions from a different starting point, and one's going to look better. Right. And so I, I don't think that that's obviously not the defense's fault where they're starting, where the other team is getting the ball, but it's much different. Like last year, it wasn't like this. We were actually, we were, we had like one of the best field position mm-hmm. kind of differentials in the conference. 
um, we're dead last on offense starting field position. So that probably contributes to some of the offensive problems too. If you look, if you think about it from like a, you know, we, we start at the 25, the other team starts at the 39 and there's 14 or so possessions in a game. You know, we're, we're pretty disadvantaged there just from field position alone. Yeah. You know, turnovers is the stat that always gets talked about, you know, well, if you win the turnover battle, you win the game. And and it's kind of cliche at this point, but it's usually true. The one thing that's not as, you know, as talked about as much is the field position. I mean, that's, that's huge in terms of where you start on the field and then where, like how often does that end in points? I mean, that's, that's a big deal. And like you just outlined, it's not good for tech. And I think we're seeing that. Yeah. Kind of funny look at uh, thinking back once we're talking about Houston Baptist. I, would, I just went and looked at the rest of their season. Do you know how that went? They had more games? They had two more games after they played us. So here's how it went for them. They opened up with a loss, 31-57 to North Texas, 33-35 Texas Tech, and then Louisiana Tech blew them out 66-38. to And then they went on to win against Eastern Kentucky 33-30, to and that was their only win on the year. But Zappy threw for 406 yards against Louisiana Tech and five touchdowns. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah no. I was just I just wanted to go back and see how they actually ended up doing, um, just because I mean I they almost, destroyed you. So or I think you I think can, they did. I think we've seen this throughout the country. You know, first games. You know, like Iowa State losing their yeah. first game. Um, I think that you could almost throw out first games at this point. Like I just mm-hmm. think with the COVID off season and the craziness that camp was. And I mean, obviously like it still looks bad, but I think you can throw a lot of that out at this point in the season. And maybe I'll disagree, but it just seems like the results have been too weird. No, yeah, it's been a crazy year. I mean, I'm just glad, like you said, like you mentioned that secondary is able to turn it around somehow. And I believe, you know, Coach Jones had a lot to do with that. And like you said, he didn't really have a whole traditional offseason to get him prepared and maybe some outside factors as well contributing to his, you know, handle of the secondary. But uh, I love the stats that Hunter brought up, though. Those those are pretty uh, interesting to see about the defense. There's one good, I guess, a positive one for the defense, and this is just totally different from – last year or the zappy game and th- these numbers don't include that game this, these are just big 12, big 12. Only. Um, percentage of plays allowed 20 yards or more uh, we're right in the middle you know, we're at we, we're at six percent which is ahead of kansas state ou kansas and tcu yeah and then like but the you know the difference between us and the fourth best is very very small you know so we're it's it's kind of you know, totally different from last year. But also one thing, if you look at, uh, you know, havoc is a kind of like a defined term. If you subscribe to like that Bill Connolly who at ESPN, he's kind of like an analytics guy. Yeah. And he, he measures defense one way with what he calls havoc. You know, it's like tackles for loss, deflected passes by your secondary, I think interceptions, forced fumbles. Sacks. Um, and we were last year – that was like pretty much the only thing that we, our defense did that was good. We, we created a lot of havoc and it just kind of makes sense. If you're being aggressive, trying to force tackles for a loss, 
trying to, you know, intercept passes and deflect, you know, you know, uh, make plays on the ball with your secondary, you're going to give up some big plays. And this year we are the worst havoc dead last. And so I think there's a relationship there. You know, I think kind of like a philosophical change somewhat from, from last year to this year. Uh, we're not being as aggressive as we were. Maybe we are, but it's not real. It's not playing at, you know, the numbers aren't showing that. And as a result, we're keeping things in front of us. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, but if from like a bottom line standpoint, points allowed per possession or however you want to look at it, the results have been kind of the same. Right. Yeah. So last year we were forcing a lot of negative drives. It, it was, it really was uncanny. It was last year's defense was as, as good as Tech's ever had at forcing a three and out. Yeah. And this year we're not like that, but we also aren't giving up the big plays. So right. it was just kind of a trade off that we made that has, I don't think it's had a huge effect, but it's been nice to not have as many 70 yard touchdown passes. Right. I mean, you beat Kansas last year if, if you play this style of defense. I mean, it's yeah. simple yeah. as that. Um, I, I always think of – I think Patterson has done a good job at um, marrying his defense to the offense because, you know, a lot of times you think of, like, uh, complementary units and you think, like, you know, they need to play off each other's weaknesses. But really the successful teams, offense, defense, play off each other's strengths. You know, so if you're going to have an – an aggressive offense that can score, you can take more chances on defense because you know you're going to, you know, your offense can back you up if you give up some points. And I think think that's part of the reason why Patterson maybe have pulled the reins back a little bit and said, like, I know we we're having trouble scoring. So we we're going to, we're not, we can't take as many chances because if we give up those big plays like we did last year, you know, it's over game's over so we're gonna have to force teams to drive if they if they score they score but we're gonna do our best to keep them in front of them which I think is smart you know if you like that's what I was saying you know I'd I'd love to see a Patterson defense with a cliff offense yes it may the results may not be any different but it would be really exciting (laughs) (laughs) you'd be in a lot of those games I mean you would have a chance in every single game with this Patterson defense and I think you brought up a good point and a, a good note to make is that he does play off the offense. And when you don't even know who your starting quarterback really is, I mean, and then you don't know how Alan, what Alan Bowman's, what Alan Bowman you're going to get. And, you know, just kind of working with all those factors. And then, I mean, I'm just, I've been impressed personally with the linebackers. I think for the past, what, four years, we've had tremendous linebacking play. And last year, I think going back to Hunter's talking about last year, that kind of give and take. We don't give up the big plays this year, but maybe last year a little better because Jordan Brooks was just such an animal on the field for you than Broderick. And you had just a little bit, I think, a little bit more talent up front last year. I think Broderick's just the difference maker for you. And uh, obviously Jordan's a first rounder. So, Uh, but yeah, no, those are just kind of some things I was thinking about. So, yeah, I I wanted to ask just, and we've kind of, looked at broad topics so just going back to the the Mm -hmm. game the Baylor game specifically um and and Brandon you brought it up so I wanted I wanted to ask Hunter about this to the uh what did you think about the two quarterbacks going into the game and then as you saw it play out where did you think it was handled correctly um so I start with you know I I texted before the TCU game y'all both saw it that I thought Bowman would give us the best chance of winning the game. You did. And I've, yeah. kind of, and I've kind of talked a little bit about this. This won't, this, yeah, I think 
it's fair to say this is just complete nonsense from like a, you know, on the, an actual coaching standpoint, like no coach would, would do what I'm saying we should do. But when we, you know, TCU were a 10 point underdog, um, where we were kind of a pick them, you know, I guess for Baylor, but we're going to be a big underdog at Oklahoma state. It's just, it's my opinion that Bowman has a higher ceiling with, within mm-hmm. the offense. Yeah. Some of it's, I think like arm strength wise yeah. and yeah. some of it's being a little more familiar with the offense. And I think you know, we go really fast with Bowman in the game. Yes. Like we line yeah. up really quick and, and go. Um, and so, but I think Bowman might have a lower ceiling evidenced by, his first pass going for snacks, you know, the other way. Um, but when you're a big underdog, like I thought we would be against TCU, which we, you know, we were, and like, I think we will be against Oklahoma state. I would rather have the quarterback. I think we, we're going to have to play well on offense, like not just well, yeah, we're going to yeah. have to play like above our heads <laughs> to, yeah. to have a chance to win. And I think Bowman gives us a better chance of that. Now, conversely, when we play Kansas, you know, regardless of how Bowman plays against Oklahoma state, I'm inclined to think Bowman, I mean, Columbia gives us a better chance of winning because he's, we're going to be kind of methodical or we're, it's a little more consistent, like consistently below average, which is going to be enough to win that game. You know, we're going to be a pretty big favorite. So that's from a broad standpoint. Those are my thoughts. I think Bowman is a higher ceiling. I, I think we're not a very good team. So it makes me more inclined to want to use Bowman. Uh, the other thing is it's like, I think this is not funny when you hear people talk about the two quarterbacks, it's, you know, our offensive line is struggling. So therefore we need Columbia who's a little more mobile, but it's, you know, Bowman has literally not been sacked this year. You know, he, most of those snaps were against UT in Iowa state who can create the pass rush. And I think UT has a first round draft pick playing defensive end and Bowman was not sacked once. Now, the irony, of course, is I think he was pulled for that reason. Like he's, yes. he's yeah, going yeah. so fast. He's, going, he's not going through his reads or he's missing things and, uh, or making mistakes because maybe he's going too fast. And that's why he gets pulled. And then I think that's also the same reason why we, weren't, we were in, wanting to play him against Baylor was because he doesn't get sacked. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, we, and Columbia has been sacked a lot. I think yeah. 8% of his dropbacks have been sacked. And so Bowman's pretty easy to calculate. It's, it's 0%. Uh, and so if you look at from a – this is something that I wanted to kind of – I look, wanted to confirm for myself, Columbia does have a scrambling advantage, right, over mm-hmm. Bowman. Uh, but if you add up the expected points added for all – for both of their scrambles and for Columbia's sacks, since Bowman doesn't have any, uh, Bowman has a higher – Bowman's EPA is higher than Columbia's because Columbia's gained a lot of yards scrambling, but he's gone backwards a lot. And a lot of the times it's in situations that are really bad, you know, in terms of scoring points, like second and three, eight yard sack, right. Or second and 10, eight yard sack. And so um, I I think because of our offensive line, it seems counterintuitive. We needed, we had to, it made sense to play Bowman. Uh, or at least give it a shot if Columbia wasn't playing well. And yeah. uh, it didn't work. Uh, you know, it's, and then the other, it's kind of a, maybe highlights like outcome bias potentially when you're, when you're judging some of these decisions. You, you know, you put Bowman in 
everybody's freaking out, saying it's a terrible decision. He throws a pick for an interception, you know, <laughs> goes for a touchdown. See, I told you, of course, look, you know, mm-hmm. why'd we do this? And then Columbia gets hurt, and Bowman gets goes back in. It plays. We play much better on offense. We win the yeah. game. You don't win the game without that change. It's kind of like, okay, so was it a good call to put Bowman in, or was it not a good call? Because <laughs> you know, he threw a pick, so therefore it's a bad call. But yet, when he goes in, we win the game. And I think yeah. it's largely he, he was responsible for a lot of the reasons why we won the game. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how people's reaction to Bowman playing initially and then now you know after the fact when it turns out that he, he really may have given us you know the best chance of winning mm-hmm. yeah I think he did uh, you know and I was a guy who wanted to go to Columbia because I was so tired of seeing the checkdowns. I mean I, like I don't like Bowman gave you zero chance to win the Iowa State game because he would not put that defense in a bind he was going to take what they give you which is exactly what they want you to do and they're going to come up and tackle um but you saw that decisiveness against Baylor because, I mean, he was making those decisions to throw to the check down nearly immediately. And then you saw that against Baylor, except it wasn't the check down. It was, I'm throwing, I'm hitting the seam immediately, which is something that Columbia doesn't do. Columbia doesn't see that fast enough. And that's to me why he gets sacked is he just, he sees it too late where he can't throw it. And, uh, and so it's like you said, I don't think we win that game if Bowman doesn't play. And, and it's just – it's such a weird and – and, you know, there's stuff that we can't even begin to speculate on is, like, did sitting and watching help Bowman? You know, you could mm-hmm. – part of that say maybe it did, but then his first, you know, pass, he misses the wide-open tight end. Negative 200 or, uh, you know? QBR. Yeah, it, and so it's just like, you know – he, he did look better after that, and maybe you can contribute that to Rust. And, you know, they, a lot of quarterbacks say, you know, being on the sideline, being able to be on the headset with the offensive coordinator, see it play out from there, it, it, you gain a new perspective. Um, but he did that all last year too, you would think, being injured. So, I don't know. You know, it, it maybe just goes back to, like, we're just not as good at the quarterback position as we need to be. Um, but – you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you, we talk about all these hypothetical big picture ideas and tech won a very exciting football game. I should yes. say a very close football game. I don't know if it was exciting. It was close. At uh, its moments. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I was, I was, I didn't think there was any way we were going to win that. No. And then down you 20 see, to six. Yeah. You see McPherson gets that pick. Like you mentioned, Brandon, and then that, you know, the very next play, Bowman throws just an absolute shot to Kashan mm-hmm. down the seam that you basically score off the next play. And you're just like, well, okay. Defense it's is amazing. Playing well. uh, it's amazing what happens when you throw the ball down the field <laughs> yeah. with talented receivers. Yeah. And that's what actually what I was going to ask both of y'all is what y'all thought about the play calling, including the spike on first down after the <laughs> Sir Roderick run. That's what I, okay, I wanted to ask before you even get there, Hunter, what did you think of the slide, Mr. Roderick? Because you were, you were the one who said that you think we would have won the Texas game if you would have went down, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would, like, advocate for intentionally going down in the Texas game. I just think had he have gotten tackled where he should have, it was like a 15-yard game yeah. mm-hmm. that we would have ended up winning. Okay, I thought you were advocating for it. Yeah, no, and yeah, I may have been unclear because 
there was too much time left at that, I think, to be intentionally going down. Um, but it, my point was, I guess, I think those broke tackles allowed Texas to win the game. Right. If he would have just, you know, it would, he got a first down and we run three more plays, just, you know, clock runs off. But uh, for, for this one, I, I don't really, I don't know. I, personally, I would, I would have wanted him to score. At the ball. It, it, yeah, against Baylor. I wanted – and, and um, you know, maybe the answer is different if you're playing OU, vintage Baylor, like 2014 or Texas this year, or yeah. if the wind wasn't what it was doing, or if a touchdown would have made you only be up one, two, or three points. Um, but I wanted him to score. And, and I'm not sure – we probably had a conversation before that drive started that to slide. Yeah, if, they if, said they practiced it. Which and to slide if if you know, maybe in a different situation. Yeah. But I, so I'm just glad it worked. I understand the logic. I don't. I personally wouldn't. Have, I don't know for sure what the right call is. I don't know how to really try to figure that out. But I'm just kind of glad it worked. The spike. I don't. I didn't really. Uh, I was pretty nervous. I, I was just trying to win the game at that. I I, I can't remember. You know. It seems like an okay because once he once he does slide, I think you do just try to set up to kick a game winning field goal or run the ball. I'm, you know, maybe just run it and see if yeah, you can score. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. Yeah, that's. Um, but so. and when I asked him, he was just kind of like, "I was like, was that spike intentionally called? Did Allen just kind of panic? Like, how did that happen?" And he just says, "Yes." He just, "Yep, that was that was called. It was called spike." I think what's <laughs> like, what's being overlooked somewhat on the slide is something that causes a lot of grief for our fans is it's like, let's see what the exact situation is. It's third and, uh, let's see, third and eight, uh, third and eight of the 22. We're on like the right hatch. So we're, we're, it's a passing situation. There's a minute left and we're down by uh, two points. And that's a 39 yarder, which is you know, you can make that kick, but you'd obviously like to be a little closer. You'd like to gain a first down so that you don't have to kick it, you know, with a minute left, uh, potentially lose. What we call a run play. You know, we run it off tackle, third and eight, <laughs> yeah. in a, what seems to be a, kind of an obvious passing situation. And people get really mad when, when we do that, when we run the ball. And, hit, you know, it was essentially a touchdown. Pretty good, I don't know, if pretty good play call and, and execution. I think it caught, maybe it caught Baylor off guard that we did that. Uh, but that was – I think that's kind of being overlooked just from the slide is the fact that we scored a touchdown from the 22-yard line, essentially, on a third yeah. and eight run when, when the game was on the line. Yeah. To me, when it, I was expecting run there because I was texting, and I may have sent it to y'all. I was, I was just in a world of – my brain was insane at that moment. But I, when that drive started, I said, they're going to leave this up to the kicker. I know it. They're not yep. gonna. They're not gonna try to score. They're gonna leave this up to this kicker who's playing his first collegiate game. And so when they ran the ball, I was like, "Yep, just like I thought." They're leaving this up to the kicker. Little did I know <laughs> he was gonna be able to score <laughs> as that play progressed. Because that—that's my deal. Is if you're down, I think you have to score. I, there's just too many things that can. If you're up one or two, yeah, I, or any, I guess, go down. But being down two, uh, two points, I just don't see how you don't get into the end zone and then 
just because you had it, like you said, you had an extra point blocked. Uh, you, you had some mishandles on handoffs. I mean, I just, too many bad things can go or too many things can go wrong. So uh, it's just hard when you're down not to just get in the end zone, but like you said, it worked. So yep. it's always nice to beat Baylor, no matter, you know, how much people want to, you know, wish that we lost so they can demand changes or whatever. Um, but it's, it's always good to be Baylor. And I know Brandon, you asked about play calling, which is how we got to this, but it's still frustrating to me. Um, and, and maybe it's quarterback play. And, and I do, I do agree with what Hunter said about the offense moves noticeably faster with Bowman in. And I think it flows better with Bowman in. you don't have those out of rhythm Columbia scrambles that sometimes end up in big plays, but you do, you do see the system better when Bowman is in there. Um, but there's still just the, the screen on the very first drive, the screen to Kashan where he basically catches it where the guard was, you know, like, I don't understand why we're doing that. Like there's just so many things where it's like, we're not even trying to get a first down. It was what it seems like. And I know that's not the case, but. Um, but you liked I, a couple of plays that he did. He did call. Cause you were like, I've been screen. waiting for that all year. Yes. I've been waiting for the tight end screen since the staff has got to campus. They ran it at Utah state. It's a great play, you know, to pull out of your bag every, every couple of games and they ran it to perfection there. So yeah. And that's the deal. It's been the the biggest debate on the site is, you know, we know that Yost has run successful offenses. And so what's the problem here? You know, and and that, and that's the question that we've all speculated, but we don't really know the answer to. And, And I think that's, that's what's keeping you from being a bad team or that's keeping you at a bad team instead of being an average team to me is just your inability to be consistent on offense. And, and I don't know what's stopping you from that. No, I think for Yost, I think there's valid reasons to criticize off, you know, what we're doing, any, everything we're doing offensively, just because it's been so bad, bad relative to like how we've played offense here historically, bad relative to a big 12 team, bad relative to a power five team. It's just bad. And so I think there's, it's valid to, to question, you know, in everything we're doing, but only a few, you know, a few years ago, Yost is a, bri- a Broyles award semifinalist, which is yeah, to the oh best yeah. coordinator in the country. There yeah. were only, uh, f- I think there were maybe four or five, a uh, group of five coordinators that were semifinalists. Very rare for, uh, it's almost impossible for one of them to win the award. So yeah. him getting to that point is kind of like as good as it gets. There were only um, uh, there were only five offensive coordinators on there. Period, and, and yeah. you know, I think maybe two or three were a group of five uh, offensive coordinators. So, at one point, he was thought of as one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. I've I've looked at uh, some comments from Mac Brown. Uh, you know, so at the time that we hired Wells, Mac Brown's being hired uh, and was you know kind of pinging people, making phone calls. He was what his kind of staff was going to look like. And he said one of his first calls was to David Yost. I think his, I'm sorry, his first call was to Cliff. And then his next call was Yost. And then he asked Graham Harrell and he settled on Phil Longo, who's incredible, I I think. But um, so it's, you know, I have some friends that are like, we should have hired Matt Brown 
yo, you know, this is horrible. We have Yost, he's awful. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's a world where we hire Matt Brown and David Yost is calling plays for us. So it's just kind of, yeah, there are people out there who know a lot about football that think he's a good coach. It's hard to imagine he has somehow had amnesia and forgot how to coach. Uh, so while I do think maybe he probably would admit he could do things better, there's probably other reasons in play that are not necessarily, you know, specific to Yost that are why we're not playing well. And I think it's quarterback play, pass protection. Our receivers have been kind of dinged up a little bit. We haven't really had our – other than the Texas game, we haven't had our full, like, uh, contingent of, like, skill players. And we were – we looked pretty good in the Texas game. I mean, the offense was moving the ball pretty well. Uh, so, I, we uh, – yeah, we've got problems on offense for 100%. And I don't – I don't see a quick fix to them either. Yeah. And, and I, and I think at the end of the day, I agree with you. It's Yost has proven to be successful. So there's gotta be something then, like you said, him, him just getting coaching amnesia and forgetting how to call an offense. And, and, it, and it's probably not one factor. It's probably 30 and we don't even know, you know, who's out during the week, who's not being able to practice. Um, you know, there, there's just no telling, but it's just frustrating to see. And, you know, we're, you could just see how damaged we are as tech fans to see the, we have a defense that kind of has a pulse, you know, and, and, and we're saying this is the greatest defense we've ever seen, you know, and, and we don't have an offense to match of it, but like you gave it, like, it's not even that great, but you know, anyway, well, we got to get out of here before we, uh, before we talk basketball. So um, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here and um, we will preview the Oklahoma state game next week. And uh, then we're going to, we're going to end this zoom call, start another one and, and get y'all's basketball questions. So Brandon Hunter, I appreciate y'all being here and uh, let's get to hoops. Change my mind if you ever switch it up